every single one of our students and their families received uh, phone calls from, uh, from Evangel, just checking in on them, seeing how they were doing, seeing if there were any needs. That was it. Yeah, it was just, you know, we were committed to making that personal touch and just being aware. And you know what, parents and students so appreciated that. In a time when everyone was locked down and isolated, you know, just to have a familiar voice on the phone, somebody who from the community that you care about, you know, uh, just reaching out, not asking for anything, just uh, just saying, hey, how can we pray for you? Do you guys need anything? You know, we, we care about you and just expressing that. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Chris Johnson. Today we continue our seven-part series on Evangel University, a very fine university I'm learning, and I'm sure you are. It's based in Springfield, Missouri, and they certainly serve their community well. We're going to learn more about that today. It's an accredited liberal arts university, and they have more than 70 academic programs, so lots for the students to choose from, and they have a strong commitment to the integration of faith, learning, and life. They have students from a wide variety of denominational backgrounds as well. So today we introduce Mark Fabian, who's joining us. He is an assistant professor of biblical studies, and he also keeps busy more, I guess you might say, on the corporate side. He is the executive director of strategic partnerships and digital learning. And he's with us today on the phone. He's been uh, in education there at Evangel, I believe, for 10 years. And Mark, you can fill me in if I got any of that wrong. But we welcome you to yeah. Charisma Connection. Thank you so much, Chris. It's a privilege to talk with you. And yeah, you got all that right. Uh, believe it or not, I have 10 years now involved with higher education and then specifically with online education. Excellent. Well, you know, digital learning has become all the rage during the pandemic, but it was pretty popular before that, too, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It's uh, been steadily growing. That's been the edge of growth in higher education um, throughout the nation for several years. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps more than ever this year, we realize the value of digital educational experience. So what would you say are some of the benefits of online learning? That's a great question. You know, as you think about uh, what happened back in March with all the disruption and the shutdowns, um, for us, we saw the benefit it's just in portability. Students were able to take their learning with them through the disruption. They also had uh, flexibility available to them as they, some of them went back to work when they got home. Some of them became caretakers for uh, younger siblings, um, you know, just taking on a different role in their families. Uh, but they were able to maintain their studies and complete the semester. So that flexibility and affordability was really important. As I think about my experience in higher, in higher education and specifically in online education, uh, I see one of the benefits of online learning is that it, it appeals to various learning styles, so it allows a little bit more freedom on the student in terms of how they interact with the course resources and even how they demonstrate their learning. It's more of an individualized approach to, uh, to education. Um, it also can help to develop those uh, disciplines needed for lifelong learning. I and mean, we know that when we get out into our careers in various fields, we don't always have the privilege of sitting down in a classroom and learning from an expert. 
uh, we have to engage for a, a set of resources. Uh, we have to apply that information in the context of problem solving. And so uh, I think online education helps to develop some of that diligence, some of that um, uh, some of those uh, skills that are needed for a lifelong learning. Uh, I'll also say from a teaching perspective that um, online education, you know, you think you're losing something there, and, and you know, you, you do lose that personal touch, that face-to-face -to -face connection, but that doesn't mean you kind of lose altogether the, uh, a relationship with the students. In fact, I've actually found that online teaching allows me to have a greater awareness of what's happening with my individual students. Uh, and part of it's just the data. I mean, you've got, you see the participation, the posts, the assignments from your individual students, and you're able to respond to them. So there's not as much an opportunity for somebody to kind of hang out in the back of the classroom when you're talking about online education. They all have to be there. They all have to submit and participate. And it gives you, from a teaching perspective, uh, a greater awareness of what's going on with your individual students. So for me, that's been a real benefit because I feel like I have a, a better touch on where my students are in the process of their learning. So all those I see, see as real benefits of online learning. And I wonder also, you know, in the classroom, you may have students who are, shall we say, over-eager, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> who, who can even tend to dominate a discussion if the professor Absolutely, calls yeah. on them all the time. So maybe you have a little more balance with the online learning and discussions. Yeah, you, you find that those students who, I mean, they have great things to contribute, but maybe they're a little bit shy about doing so in the social context of a classroom. Um, when they're given the opportunity in a platform and an online you know, an online discussion, say for instance, where they're able to process and think about a question deeply and then compose a response. To me, it's a great when I see those students who would otherwise maybe kind of hide out in the back of the classroom or be shy about raising a question or an issue. They have an opportunity to contribute and more, uh, a little bit more equality in terms of uh, what's expected from the students and opportunity for them to uh, share their thoughts. So yeah, for, for those reasons, uh, you know, I always tell my students there's no wallflowers here. You can't hide out in the shadows and, you know, expect that the, the one eager student is going to answer and answer all the questions and contribute to everything. Uh, everyone has to participate. And so again, I think that's a real benefit. Yes, I'm sure it is. Well, I understand at Evangel you have some really valuable tools and resources that help you introduce and support the online learning experience. Could you tell us about those? Sure, yeah. Well, first of all, we've been using Canvas Learning Management System for six years, and when all this happened back in the spring, that was a real benefit, having a long-time relationship and having a, a learning management system that was fully deployed and in use in all of our programs at all levels of the university made for that transition to be really quick uh, and easy on both the faculty, the teaching side, and on the student side. They're already used to accessing course materials, facilitating you know, communications with their professors, uh, submitting assignments and receiving feedback. So those pieces were already in place. We have uh, orientations and training both for students and faculty that are set up in our learning management system. And all of those resources really help to you know, provide a base for us to be able to move very quickly into a remote online teaching scenario. Uh, our university has made some uh, big investments in uh, our digital learning office. That's part of what I'm over. Uh, we have a team now that is dedicated to the administration, training, support for faculty, and so forth. Um, and that's made a big difference in our campus, just having that, that point of contact 
that the faculty know that we're going to follow through with them, we're going to help them with things that they need um, as they're brainstorming ways, you know, how do we, how do, we do this online? Uh, and some of those were, you know, we had art studio classes that had to be <laughs> switched over into an online format. We had music lessons. I mean, just so the variety, the scope of uh, different types of instruction that had to be transitioned to online was, um, uh, was really interesting. Uh, the universities also made investments in our Center for Student Success, which is uh, a group that provides tutoring, they provide uh, academic support. Um, there's a lot of resources there in terms of like study skills and so forth. And um, they're very aware of what it takes to be successful in an online class. So they're, they're, uh, they have learning analytics dashboards that helps them kind of target students who may be struggling and reach out to them to be proactive and provide a level of support or tutoring, whatever they need to support their success. So that has been really crucial in helping, uh, helping students to kind of overcome whatever obstacles they're facing, identify what challenges they're facing, and, and kind of rally the resources around them to uh, help them be successful. We also have a consistent process for training online instructors. Whenever I think about the online experience for the students, um, I, I, I recognize that the instructors are kind of the gatekeepers of that online experience, that learning experience for the students. So the more that we can do to resource and support instructors, the better the experience is going to be for the students. So Evangel provides a, uh, a training course. We do it for every single one of our online instructors. They go through a five-week, it's pretty intensive training course um, that uh, lays out the expectations for online course design and instruction. It's basically our own quality standard. Uh, and we, we train and, and help, help support that for faculty. Uh, it identifies five areas, of five what we call them, they're the essential characteristics for an evangel online course. Uh, and they are learner-centered course design, so we want to make things, we want to build the class around the needs of the student, make things easy to find, easy to navigate, information that they need, when and where they need it. Um, so that's one of them, learner-centered course design. Uh, we emphasize instructor presence, that is that the, the, the instructor is perceived as an active and present part of the course, and they do that through videos, through participation in the discussions, through providing feedback and communications with the students. Uh, we emphasize interaction. We, want the, uh, we don't want it to be like an independent study or a correspondence course. We want there to be opportunities for students to interact with one another in a meaningful way uh, so that they're able to share and learn from one another. Uh, and we want them to interact with their professor, and we want them to interact with the content. So uh, we, we design the courses uh, with that in mind, that there's, it's an interactive experience. Uh, we design the classes to have clarity. So we want, you know, kids like sometimes when you're talking about online education, students get lost in a, a trail of clicks or something like that. So we, uh, we emphasize clarity in terms of instructions and almost being redundant and over-communicating so that students don't miss messages. And then the last one is the last of our essential characteristics is purpose. Um, and that's where we connect uh, the learning to that integration of faith, to the, our mission as a Christian institution, um, where we, uh, we want to clearly connect the learning in the class to the learning outcomes that are preparing them for life and their careers um, so that they understand that the things they're doing in the class have meaning and significance beyond just an academic exercise. So, absolutely, said, I, I think that's the most important point right there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> well, you yeah, had was, several and, great points in there, including the fact that there's 
so many different parties involved in this, not only the students, but it the is, instructors yeah. as well as the tutors. And for a student who has never done, you know, digital education, uh, I think that the tutor could really help get them over the hump of getting used to that. And, and not only that, but the instructor presence is incredibly important. I mean, you don't want to think, is, you know, yeah. where is my teacher? <laughs> you know? Right. Right. So they don't great, want it to be an isolating point. experience. Uh, we want the students to feel a connection. And we, and because we are a Christian institution, you know, that, that sense of community is really important for us. Mm-hmm. Well, as we move into the next year and even into the future, what do you see as the future of digital learning? <laughs> yeah, you know, there are some things that have changed now that I don't think are going to go quite back to the way they were. Hmm. Um, I, I think that the, what we'll see is what they call blended learning, that is the incorporation of all aspects of online education into traditional education. Mm -hmm. I see that as kind of being mainstream now. I don't think it's going to go back to quite the way it was. Kind so of a hybrid model, you might say? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know we'll, we'll go back to our normal campus instruction. You know, we look forward to the days when we don't have as many uh, restrictions as we do on our campus uh, classroom setting. But, um, but the use of digital resources and uh, the incorporation of uh, kind of some of the aspects of online education into traditional instruction, I don't see that going away. I see that uh, continuing to advance, and, and that, again, you know, provides more flexibility, provides that hybrid option for students. Um, the, what we saw in the, the spring, what a lot of universities have moved to, is called a high-flex model which is a very flexible model. It sort of demonstrated that higher education can be quite flexible. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that the demand from students going forward will be that they're going to they're gonna continue to look for flexible options for higher education. Um, so that's, I think those are some things that really stand out. Um, the other thing is that I think we're seeing change in some enrollment trends. Now that we have students who are coming through their final years in high school, and having um, uh, exposure to some really well-designed quality online experiences, I think that they're going to have, uh, uh, there's going to be a higher rate of interest in online education from traditional age students, which for the most part, most, most online students are more adult learners, but I think we're going to see that, um, that age demographic uh, go down as more traditional age students consider online programs. Well, I found it really fascinating earlier when you said that uh, some of the students who, you know, might be in their 18, 19, 20 range, and they're going home and they're helping their younger siblings at home. Yep. Well, the younger siblings at home are there because their schools have closed sometimes, exactly. you know. Yeah. So I, I just never thought of that and, and how flexible yeah. this digital learning has uh, enabled them to serve their families as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, how does Evangel cultivate its distinct community? I know that's so central to your mission while embracing this format for digital learning. Right. Uh, so it was a challenge for us when all of our students, they didn't come back after spring break. And so we were thinking, like, you know, with all that they're facing, the, the fear, the disruption, um, you know, how can we minister best to our students? So uh, there were members of our community right away that started a virtual prayer forum. So we had those available on our website, and there was a simple form where people could submit things. And it gave us, as a, as a community, it gave us the opportunity to be aware of and to be praying for one another. 
uh, we had our our uh, our um, pastoral team, our campus pastor and, and his team. Um, they made video devotions in place of you know what we would normally normally have done at the chapel. Uh, they produced video devotions. Those went out on a scheduled basis, uh, posted to our website. They were also pushed out through social media. Um, we started doing virtual chapels <laughs> where we were taking those those same videos and providing them. With, through our learning management system, making them available to students. Um, our community, uh, we had offices of our, our, uh, and on our campus that made phone calls to students. Every single one of our students and their families received uh, phone calls from, uh, from Evangel, just checking in on them, seeing how and they were doing, seeing touch. if there were any needs. That was it, yeah, it was just, you know, we were committed to making that personal touch and just being aware, and you know what, parents and students so appreciated that in a time when everyone was locked down and isolated, you know, just to have a familiar voice on the phone, mm -hmm. somebody who from the community that you care about, you know, uh, just reaching out, not asking for anything, just uh, just saying, hey, how can we pray for you? Do you guys need anything? You know, we, we care about you, and just expressing that. Well, it's uh, so nice fall, that you didn't combine that with uh, will you donate to the university kind of call. Yeah. <laughs> no, there was no ask associated with that. Right. It was purely just reach or outreach. Um, this fall when we had um, students came back to campus, we, we had a little bit different scenario because we had students who had to be in quarantine or isolation. Uh, some of them ended up going through a couple rounds of that. So, you know, they're locked away in their class for, or they're in their rooms for, for weeks. And, um, and that can take a real toll on them. So we as a community, again, we we uh, we had people that bought groceries for them, put together care packages, so that at least this, when they were in quarantine, at least they had some stuff, you know, uh, handwritten notes to encourage them, uh, communication. So they were we were real intentional about um, making sure that those quarantine students didn't feel like they were totally isolated, no contact. You know, uh, we wanted to make sure that they felt like that they were cared for, uh, and then of course. We emphasize that integration of faith and learning. That's that's a core part of what happens in our classes, uh, and that's part of our training. When we when we train faculty uh, to teach online for evangel, we talk about the integration of faith and learning. And it's not just that hey we have a devotional or we pray for one another, but we really want students to see how our professors, as professionals in their fields, uh, live out their faith in that in that professional context. I always think of it like this: if, if education is the what and how, then um, then the integration of faith adds the who and the why. It's it's that personal character and the motivation behind what you do. And um, uh, and when our faculty have the opportunity to express, you know, here's what I do, and here's how I do it in my field, but here's why I do it, and here's the character um, uh, the character of Christ that I want to come through in my work. That helps our students to, to grasp that and, and embrace you know, living out their faith in whatever calling or context that God leads them to. Wow, that's very instructive. So you've been doing this, as we said, for about 10 years. What lessons have you learned during this season that will be helpful for your work in the future? Yeah, we've learned a lot. You know, uh, our community has been through a lot. I think one of the things that's been kind of eye-opening for me is to see the emphasis on mobile access. Um, uh, clearly, as we looked at some of the data, just in terms of how students were accessing and uh, our learning management system, um, about two thirds of them are using mobile devices to access mm -hmm. the, the, their learning. So, 
that's uh, changed for our digital learning team. Um, that's kind of changed our emphasis in as much as we typically work from a PC and you know uh, go through the web interface. Uh, it's brought a heightened awareness. Uh, we need to think about course design from a mobile first perspective. Um, and for that, it's you know there's some utility in that where students, well, we had some students who maybe they didn't have a good internet connection where they lived, so they actually relied on data uh, on their phones to be able to stay connected to the course. Some of them also struggled struggled with access to a device that could really you know help them continue their learning. Um, so it's not just about the utility of being connected, but at some point it's about the access, about them being able to access the learning. Um, which speaks to a whole issue of like equity in education, you know, access to higher education. So that's been one thing that's kind of been uh, front of mind here for us is just that mobile first course design. Um, I talked before about support systems, and I think that's incredibly important. It's not just that you have a great academic program, but you have to have the support systems for faculty, the support systems for students so that they're getting academic advising, they have access to tutoring, they can access the library and do research, all of those, all of those support systems that are necessary outside just having you know, the course set up online. Um, and what we found is that you kind of need to have support systems for your support systems. You know, our faculty... Uh, <laughs> you got to have a backup. <laughs> That, yeah, our faculty were, you know, they were stressed. They were, uh, there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure mm -hmm. upon them. Um, and there were times where it was just like we had to be counselors to one another, you know. We had mm -hmm. to just try to um, even move outside our roles just to show kindness and concern and, and to take care of ourselves and not get totally burnt out in what, what we were trying to do. So uh, that support system for the support system, I guess, that, you know, that, a community that can care for one another was really important. Um, I think probably the biggest lesson is just that we can do it. <laughs> you know, and you yes. see, like, um, the amount of change that we, you know, took on in uh, this year uh, has been, uh, it's been incredible. And to see that it really behind that, sort of, there's the urgency and the emergency of the pandemic. But uh, at some point, what it was was community buy-in. You know, like there was our community that says, we can do this, we're going to do this, and they moved. And mm -hmm. that to me was uh, uh, really eye-opening. It recognizes a campus leader that it's not just strategic planning, although those are important. You know, there has to be, if you really want to see change happen, innovation, you want to see things move forward, you've got to have that community buy-in. Because uh, once you have that, boy, things can move quick. And so I think for me as a campus leader, it's, it's helped me to recognize the importance of uh, building relationships, of being involved with uh, faculty initiatives, department goals. Um, uh, I, I recognize that, you know, a few highly competent people can accomplish a lot, but once you get community buy-in, then that gives you the opportunity to just kind of reinvent things and uh, really accelerate the pace of change. So well, that's a fascinating really time to be to there, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. Yep. <laughs> well, Mark Fabian, I'm sure that uh, Evangel University really appreciates your leadership in the area of digital learning. So thank you for sharing this with us today. It's been really insightful. I'm Personally, I've been a student on the side of digital learning, or as we used to call it, distance learning. And right. then I've been an instructor a little bit. So I've had yeah. uh, both experiences, and I've learned a lot from our 
uh, time here today. I'm sure our listeners have too, and Evangel seems to be on the forefront of these things. So thank you for sharing with us today on Charisma Connection, and where can we learn more? Our website is evangel.edu, and that's where you can find all the information about both our campus programs and our online and graduate programs. That's terrific. Evangel.edu, E-V-A-N-G-E-L. So that's the easy place to find all the information. And if you want to contact the school directly, there are, of course, phone numbers and emails there, too. So thank you very much, Mark Fabian, for being with us today on Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson, and you've been listening to Charisma Connection. Be sure to check out all of our podcasts at cpnshows.com. That's the Charisma Podcast Network, where we have many, many shows for your spiritual growth. cpnshows.com. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. 